0: The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. Especially in alternative medicine, all we do is talk about poop from like the first visit to the last visit at some point. So (laughs) pretty much. Yeah, it's the the
1: ultimate measuring stick, uh... right? To find out how just how things are going. Exactly. There we go. There's the podcast right there, Chris. We're done. We're done.
2: We are done. Thanks. Thanks for coming out, everybody. (laughs)
1: Broadcasting to the world from inside her
0: closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist,
2: Leanne Phillipson. Digestion and toilet talk are generally not very gauche to strike up a conversation about, but it needs to be talked about. Before birth and while you're swimming around in your mama's womb, you poop! And from your first breath onwards, you're hopefully going to poo every day of your life. What comes out of your body and down the poop chute, whether it's solid, liquid or gas, tells the story of what's not only going on within the digestive system, but the whole of your body. But do you know what all of that means like what does a gas mean what does that burping mean what is that gut explosion that you just had or maybe if you haven't moved your bowels for days what's all that about that gas that you just have to pass but oh my god it's so embarrassing and you just don't want to sometimes it's smelly and sometimes it's not but you know if i just let a bit out will it be the smelling one today or the air <laughs> one today right <laughs> Col- color you, and texture oh,
1: come on you oh, and i are so different when it comes to this stuff <laughs>
2: Yeah. Really? Oh, you don't yeah, care? No! Let her rip!
1: Li- totally natural if I let off a good burp at the end of a good meal, it's my compliments to the chef. That's all it is. <laughs> you know?
2: Instead, instead of you not having enough hydrochloric acid to take it food. <laughs> I understand entirely. <laughs> we would just have such a different experience at a table. I'd love it. i love it! Alright, well the color and the texture of your stool, well that also matters, but who's going to tell you about your brown versus your gray versus your more orange versus like really dark or could that be blood like there's a lot going on just with the color and texture of your poop so who's going to talk about that well yes we are with a list of slang descriptions for defecation like your morning constitutional, taking a dump, answering nature's call, drop a deuce well you gotta know that the list of 69 ways to talk about how it you're having a poo every day oh my gosh i read this list and i'm gonna I think i'm gonna share this in the show notes because i like had such an ab workout after reading these and laughing my head off and these are just all ways to talk about having a bowel movement which you know can be a really hot topic amongst some so if you've heard this Podcast before, you know that I focused a lot of my career on digestion and everything gut-related. So today on Eat This with Leanne, we're going to talk about what many would not go into detail about your digestion from the burping to the gas to the quality and the type of the poop that's coming out of you. And to help us with that, we've got our esteemed colleague and health coach, Jason Persaud. He's back to share some of his experience that he has with his clients and what he sees in practice that I know is going to help you too. Whoa, big deal alert. When my girls were around five and seven, maybe I think they were little compared to where how, how big they are now. I remember a really good friend of mine and her kids. They came over for dinner, and she shared a really funny observation with me around the dinner table, of course, because why not? She took herself off to the washroom before sitting down to dinner and one of my girls had already been to the bathroom before her. They had a pee and they had a poo, but they didn't actually flush. My friend came back to the table and she <laughs> (laughs) that she thought that I ask my kids not to flush the toilet so that I can inspect their poop before it goes down the drain. Now, I'm not exactly sure this was because, you know, she read my first book, Sprout Right Nutrition from Tummy to Toddler. Our kids were about the same age. Our eldest kids anyway were. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a whole chapter on baby poop in there. I updated it in Sprout Right Family Food, my second and award winning book. But, you know, maybe I was known for this kind of thing, but I assured her that I was not analyzing the girl's poo in the toilet and the (laughs) situation of "Would you just flush the toilet was something that I said, you know, as much as could you pick up your clothes that I say now that they're, you know, in their teens or can you please put your dishes in the dishwasher because the same thing would happen to me uh, they were truthfully not saving their deposits in the toilet <laughs>
1: you were <laughs> off the clock <laughs> poop, leanne leanne phillipson poop, poop inspector. inspector
2: exactly that's right how it's can like, i help you know exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, during, during my 22 years of working with clients, their digestion has always fascinated me. From a teen that I worked with in the really first years after I finished my studies, she had a parasite called Giardia, and that caused diarrhea. Every single time she ate, she could not keep any food in her for any period of time. Then there was a colleague that I had that tested for Blastocystis hominis. That's a parasite. And that took over six months of rotating antiparasitic supplements from grapefruit seed extract to garlic back to probiotics and then back again. You know, all these bugs in the belly, good or bad, have always fascinated me. My mom, she got campylobacter, if you can believe it, from a corned beef sandwich that she ate in the hospital while she was having chemo. She was there for a day. She had lymphoma. And my poor mom ended up sick from the damn sandwich, which almost took her out and took her I don't even know how long to recover. And I, there's me saying, come on, we need to test the stool. They're like, no, no, it just, this is going to take 14 days and then she should be fine. It's like, if we can keep her, Like she was in isolation. We had to go in and like, you know, full PPE, like everybody does now with COVID. It was serious. And then I remember having an elderly friend who contracted Clostridium difficile or C. diff it's called while in hospital, which is, pretty typical, unfortunately, and that's an antibiotic-resistant bacteria that can have life-threatening results. So what is going on in your digestive system can absolutely knock you right off your healthy journey through life, and also for years and years until what's underlying is found. Now, one of my favorite books that I poured over in college was Anne Louise Gittleman's Guess Who Came to Dinner? all about bacteria and parasites. And, you know, I know that everybody's chuckling now, but what a you, just, horrible you, you game. get it. <laughs> a horrible I know game. <laughs> you, you get it now that that's something that I geek out on because it gives answers to what we live through every single day. So we're gonna pass on a lot more of you know, what I've learned over the 22 years, I think it's 22 years now that I've been in this field. And also today, with the help of him sharing all of his knowledge, we've invited my colleague, Jason Persaud, back on Eat This with Leanne.
0: Any information and details expressed during this podcast can be found at sproutwright.com or leannephillipson.com.
2: Jason is a natural and holistic health practitioner who works with chronic disease and chronic pain. He calls himself Coach Jay, which might be changing because I think he's kind of, you know, changing direction as he's grown up and doing so many more things. Oh my gosh, he's so smart and also sort of in the trio with Dr. Robert Cass and Dr. Davis Brockenshire that I'm still working on getting Dr. Cass on uh, for an episode. But his mission is to simplify the complex reality that's the human body by teaching individuals how to navigate through the layers of just everything human. He not only has been looking after me and my daughter, one of my my youngest daughter of late, but he radically improves clients' health. So look out, Jason's going to share some of his clinical experience with us, all about digestion and of course, poop. Welcome, Jason. Uh, Give us the 101 on, on what you do.
0: I'm a natural medicine practitioner and I enjoy helping people who are um, less than optimal, people who don't feel like they're running at the best and they're looking for answers and they want to figure out how to improve um, their mental health, their physical health or their experience with this physical body that we have. Cool. I like
2: that nice little round out there. And I know that you do a method of testing because you've done it on me called EAV. Can you share a little bit more about that and and what the benefit is, especially as we're going to you know dive deeply into digestion and poop and everything that goes on goes along. Right. Along with exactly. That?
0: So a lot of people who come to see me, um, actually, they usually go to their doctor first as they should, and the doctor may run some tests and find that medically there's nothing going on which we call like a clinical evaluation so all the tests show up okay but that person still doesn't feel good well now they're in what's called a subclinical position and in a subclinical position medically there's nothing wrong and so the eab which is just a technique a, a type of uh, testing methodology called electroacupuncture according to Vol, i can actually assess how your organs are functioning through the meridians in your hands and in your feet and if an organ system is stressed out or an organ system is weakened just Generally, that results in you having some type of symptomology, such as impaired digestion or hormonal issues or skin issues, so on and so forth. So that is my form of assessment, um, mainly because it's for it's you know it's not free to the client, but it's relatively uh, inexpensive for the client to actually get results. The other yeah. type of testing out there, which I'm sure we'll get into, is like functional medicine testing, which can cost you know fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars just to do testing. With no real, um, action plan or in place or remedies or anything like that. So from a cost pers- from a cost perspective, EAV made the most sense for me and just what I can learn very quickly within, you know, what, what is it? 20 minutes, half an hour. You have an yeah. idea as to what's going on, um, and create an action plan accordingly and kind of take that month by month. So yeah, that's yeah. the technique I use.
2: Yeah. And I've not only learned it for myself, but I've also had it done on me many, many times. I use a different method of testing, more similar to muscle testing, but some people really like when things, you know, you can print off a report or you can sort of, it looks like it's a little more diagnostic than, than my sound therapy method, which sort of is seen a little more on the energetic, it is more energetic, but you know, it's, kind of seen a little bit more out there, but I still get great results with it as to my clients. So thanks for explaining
0: that. In the world of bioenergetic medicine, which is really what we do, tying in the biology with the energetic side of it, understanding that from a holistic point of view, where this combination of both, The, uh, the MSA, the BioScan is just a great machine that helps give you a report of the two of them. Um, because right. we're so conditioned to looking at blood results and everything like that from our doctors.
2: Yeah. And there's so much going on. We talked about that in, in the energy episode that we recently did, yeah. Chris, didn't we? You know, yeah. there's so much going on in terms of what's happening with your energy, not just like get up and run, you know, run to the store <laughs> to get to get more energy from the can of whatever you're buying. But, you know, the emotional energy that you've got going on, the stress and everything that encompasses us as humans, really. All right. So in talking about digestion and focusing on what ends up in the toilet, let's start with the stomach. Uh, I thought maybe like burping, acidity, meds, those things, most people just burp away and kind of think, oh, this is normal. This is just what happens. Can you expand a bit on that? And then we'll like travel through the digestive system.
0: You know, I was probably 19, 20, and I was taking a course with Charles Poliquin, And he was the first person that, and he wasn't even a holistic guy, but a strength and conditioning coach. And he was the first person that said, man, if your clients are burping and farting all the time, you know, they have a digestive problem. And I'm like, really? Cause like, you know, protein farts, like as a (laughs) bodybuilder, that was so normal. You know, you drink a protein shake and you're like, Oh yeah, you've said a protein shake. Obviously it was a food intolerance that I had no idea, but you know, the concept of burping and, and um, flatulence, especially around eating, generally talks to how well you're digesting your food. Um, and a lot of people are actually in a situation where they have low acidity, even though they have been have been told that they have high acidity. So we'll mm-hmm. use the example of like the acid reflux concept. And the reason the acid reflux concept and burping kind of go hand in hand is For a lot of people, if your hydrochloric acid, which is one of the main acids in your stomach, are low, then typically when you eat food, specifically high protein or high dense meats, you're not digesting that food properly. You're not actually breaking it down. So if you're not breaking it down due to low hydrochloric acid levels, well, now you have uh, food, so to speak, that's kind of fermenting in your gut now if you put food in a compost bin what happens well gas is going to create so that gas is either going to go up in which case you burp or it's going to go down in which case flatulence right um right. you know the other option too as we mentioned obviously anything that ferments so uh beer wheat uh sugar you know some medication because things like that so those are all Um, mechanisms as to what can create that burping and gas situation. Now, the reason most people have this is because one of the things that lowers hydrochloric acid is stress, right? When you're really high stress, your ability to digest food comes down. Now, how many people listening to this are stressed out? And when you're stressed out, you know, there's a population of the people that don't eat. I'm one of those people. And then there's another population yep. of the people that eat, right? They go, yes. they go towards food and they eat all yep. this food. And then it's just sitting this big bolus in your stomach and you want to undo all of it. And you yep. can't to that point, right? Um, exactly. The, the other part of that is one of the main building blocks of hydrochloric acid is zinc, And based on what we've seen recently, how many people are deficient in zinc, right? And that's either because, and one of the main reasons for that is because if you're low in hydrochloric acid, you can't actually like break down and absorb the zinc out of your food. So it becomes this negative feedback loop. So for many clients in the beginning for the digestion a digestive enzyme with um, hydrochloric acid and some sort of like ox bile, which goes back into the gallbladder, which we'll talk about. Um, and then some sort of zinc remedy does wonders, you know, women for their hair and nails, you know, Get off the biotin. The zinc works way better. To be honest, you know
1: okay. what? I, I uh, Jay gave me an idea for a T-shirt. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make myself a T-shirt that says "Don't bother me. I'm fermenting." Perfect. I <laughs> love it.
2: Right, I I did a radio segment years ago about a story that said it said something like, "Is your belly?" like a fermentation like a beer barrel or something like that and it it, it was like one of the most popular segments that i've ever done that people (laughs) kept reaching out to me saying i think i'm fermenting in my belly Uh, can you can you help yeah yeah And, uh, Jay, just to talk about the um, the supplements for those kind of things, I have yes. to say hypozymes, which is a Physica product, which is available on spartright.com, I, I can't keep it in stock. It flies no. and God flies say. out the door along with my Alka-C, which, of course, is vitamin C, so important for so many things, which includes zinc. So you can mm-hmm. actually get it with a whole bunch of minerals as well so both of those two products I'll link in the show notes on the com. Is it uh,
1: is it so- possible to to overdo it on the zinc though Jay like I mean, can you overdo it so so the, the one
0: issue with zinc that people have is they'll take zinc on an empty stomach and you need fat in order to absorb the zinc. So most people that have it first thing in the morning, they're like, oh, it makes me nauseous. And I'm like, no, you really just want to make sure you're having it with food, specifically fat, and you'll be okay. Um, really, you just happen to pee out the rest of the zinc. I don't okay. know of situations where people can have too much zinc. And with the level of stress that we have, honestly, um, it's almost like we have never enough. Uh, one of the telltale signs for a lot of people is white spots on on your nails. Um, I actually had them last winter. And zinc can clear that up so fast.
2: Huh. Yeah. Okay. There, there's, a, there's a couple of tests that I used to do, a zinc test, which was a little drink. And when people... Yeah, would
0: drink, zinc, they, tally. They, they, they ah. zinc
2: tally. Zinc tally test.
0: Yeah, tally um, test, yeah.
2: And, but I, I think it's sort of in the case of taking too much, you can take too much of any, anything, totally. but are you, totally. are you going to be taking a hundred to 200 milligrams of zinc a day? and you know and then and end up with low iron because of it of course it's possible but it's really going to be unlikely that you're going to take that much zinc in order to throw everything else off because there's antagonistic situations going on between minerals all the time which is also why we talk about taking calcium and magnesium and d and k2 because they all help absorption so there is the balance to that but it's very unusual for you to really take that much zinc for anyone i think anyway i've never come across yeah. most people even taking zinc let alone too much zinc so i don't yeah. think that that's really an issue
0: honestly in clinic usually like you know i use i happen t- to use designs for health is pretty good um one bottle has 90 caps they take one a day 3 months and like you're kind of good for the year and it's usually yeah. enough to give them like a lift off um, nice. To get them moving in the right direction. And then from a H. pylori perspective, which can also lead into the burping, flatulence, yep. um, heartburn yep. situation, you know, good doses of zinc can work really well against H. pylori and not having to go the antibiotic route. Uh, we see less yeah. of that in, in North America, but it still does come up. Um, You know, subclinically, I see it for sure. It's as good an
1: explanation as any I've heard.
2: All right. So let's move on down to the intestines where food is partly digested, (laughs) assimilated. The absorption (laughs) happens and that's where the gas starts and wiggles its way through. And so many people are plagued by this and kind of just think like nothing of it. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm Mm -hmm. gassy or I wake up like it. I go to bed like it. I'm sort of, you know, tooting throughout the day and trying to hide it. Or my family just know that, oh, yeah, that's... (sighs) That's what's happening. You've alluded to that a little bit, Chris, a few times before. Perhaps.
1: I have taught my children be loud and be proud. There's a, no, uh, point, there you no. Go. no point in that. Better high. out than in. Yeah, that's right. right. Don't
2: don't hold it in. I can remember from my, from the young, you know, when my kids were much younger, younger, and we would call them toots. And then they would be like, they would sort of giggle and laugh and just father say, excuse me. And I'd say, certainly, you know, it's just this part. It, it, ha- it happens and it's right. really uncomfortable to hold it in. And then you feel like. Your belly's going to explode and it's just no fun. So talk us through that then.
0: All right. So food gets into, you know, kind of moves down from the stomach, goes into the small intestine. Uh, The main process of that small intestine is to break things down further. As your food goes into the small intestine, two really important organs being the liver and the gallbladder, dump a bunch of bile um, and, you know, other digestive juices into the small intestine to really start breaking them down further. And this is the point in which people, tend to usually start to have digestive issues. Um, Generally, if they have food intolerances, they're going to feel it in their stomach within, or feel it in their small intestine, sorry, within, I'd say, half an hour to an hour, typically. Obviously, um, there's long-term reactions with food sensitivities that can last 14 days, but this is where you're like, oh, I shouldn't have ate that. It's like an hour later, right? Um, Whether it's lactose or it's gluten or some other specific food intolerance you have. Um, If this person has so let's say a candida overgrowth or a parasitic overgrowth um the, the idea of fermenting going back to that so if I, I just had a bunch of beer and some grains uh for dinner say i passed in beer and i'm kind of yeasty now all of a sudden an hour later my flat stomach is no longer flat because i just put a bunch of things in the gut to ferment and all of a sudden you're like oh i feel bloated i gotta undo the pants You know, that that's what's (laughs) kind of happening there. And, you know, to point to point out where your small intestine is for most people, this is kind of right underneath the rib cage, kind of in the belly button area. This isn't quite that lower bowel discomfort just yet. Um, right. And, and that's, that's basically the small intestine. And, you know, a lot of people have issues here. People who have, you know, yeast issues, um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which we call SIBO, um, you know, a lot of people have what's called a dysbiosis, which is just a, uh, a collection of bad bugs in the environment. And when we want good bugs and the key to get people to understand is that the bugs that are in your gut are reflective of the food you are eating. So it's always funny when you start with a client and you want to give them a green powder, right? Give them a greens powder, get them some, some juice in the morning, charge the battery without, you know, give that monster. Give them kid
2: boost or skin boost. Yep.
0: <laughs> right, right. Yep. exactly. Good. Yep. There you go. So, you know, they start drinking. They're like, Jay, this is horrible. And my first response is, I think it tastes delicious. You know, like, I right. love it. Yeah. But, you know, I'm like, just give it time within, you know, call it two weeks. It's going to taste different. I promise you and lo and behold it does and why is that well as we put better food into our digestive system we're carrying better microbes with it and as the good microbes start to proliferate and grow and we're getting these bad guys out of the system all of a sudden a lot of these digestive issues start to go away but more importantly your taste buds change Mm. and all of a sudden healthy food actually tastes better right
1: very very (laughs) come on now you're not telling me the more i eat healthy food the better it's going to taste either i don't like it or i do like it
0: Mm, i don't know i would go 50 50 on that i definitely oh yeah Yeah. i definitely enjoy healthy food um and i even noticed it in myself like if i've gone through periods where i'm not eating as well as i should be versus like when i'm kind of like strict on it all of a sudden that broccoli with salt tastes
2: pretty good <laughs> <laughs> it really it really does and sometimes when i when people have let's say come off of sugar right like what sugar berry in episode seven is sugar evil one of our most popular probably i think our most popular episode right chris i think so he yeah. has been off sugar for what must be nine years now because it was almost a year ago that we talked to him Crazy. and he said the that food just even after a week of coming off of sugar ends up tasting different. totally different. Yeah. So it's a conditioning. It really is. You're conditioned to think that beer tastes good. And then all of a sudden you mean like, Ooh, no, I'm not really like kind of off beer. I mean, look at women when they're, when they're pregnant, some of them can't, handle the smell or the presence of garlic where they're you know they're like they, they just love it beforehand so things change okay. all the time so never say this is me forever because i think you're really boxing yourself in to totally anything li- anything like that at, at, at the time
1: when my wife was pregnant to so her her ibs issues actually uh i want to say went away but they definitely yeah. uh, they weren't okay. as prevalent
2: i've heard of of celiac having no issues with celiac during and sometimes after after pregnancy.
1: yeah yeah for a lot of it's people crazy.
2: a lot of
0: women with that chronic more chronic issues such as celiac um, pregnancy can like just differentiate the inner, the immune system so much so that it doesn't even return to a state of normal after the pregnancy really?
1: um, yeah yeah, wow. yeah, yeah.
0: It, you're a woman's a woman's body during pregnancy like they're superheroes like they can pretty much do whatever they want and they won't even feel it and sometimes that is to to a fault, you know, where like they've had the baby and they still haven't switched back to like what they should be doing. And then it kind of like smacks them in the face. Um, yeah. But, you know, that that's the process. We That's how we learn, right?
2: That's right. That's absolutely <laughs> right. Okay, so is there anything related to the time of day when someone like really becomes a literal windbag, whether it's burping or whether it's um, passing gas and flatulence and bloated and all of that kind of stuff. I guess it might be a bit different if it's upper or lower GI anyway, right?
0: Yeah, it really, you know, I would say when you're, you know, more gassy or flatulent or bloated generally has a lot to do with what you're eating. Either what you're eating is Feeding unwanted bacterial colonies, as I mentioned, such as, you know, yeast to be the main one. Um, So if you're eating a, you know, grain based, you know, we don't want to say high sugar, but sugar based diet, you're going to feed the yeast. It's going to ferment. It's going to create gas. Um, people with the SIBO situation, they tend to be pretty good in the mornings, like relatively lean. And as soon as they start eating and the liver starts, you know, dumping out bile liver and gallbladder, dumping out bile, all of a sudden they get bloated and gassy. Um, and the concept of the liver gallbladder is important because so many of us have toxic livers these days, and it's not toxic because we're drinking or doing drugs or anything like that. The idea of high fructose corn syrup, you know, you're, you're, you know perfumes and fragrances that we wear and then Febreze like AirPod plugins and you know all that kind of stuff it's all just over time it really starts to gung up that liver and as it becomes toxic it creates toxic bile and that toxic bile gets stored in the gallbladder which is now dumping toxic bile into your intestine so imagine you know, I kind of give people this example. Imagine you had a dirty diaper for a liver and some of your digestive juices are coming out of that dirty diaper and you want to know why you don't feel good. Well, that is a major reason because I can't tell you how many people are like, I've tried the candida diet. I- I've tried to take the antifungals. And where do we go back to? Well, drainage versus detox, things yeah. like methylation, right? You got to go back to that point. Um, and this is where a lot of people, you know, I had a client that was in, in the other day. And it's been 10 years. The guy hasn't had solid stool. 10 years. That's a long time. Yeah? Wow. And, That's and crazy. We, so
2: loose or diarrhea or just?
0: Yeah, basically like loose, watery. Um, and he's done all the tests in the medical system. And of course, yep. they find nothing because he doesn't have you know, that's serious of like a parasite condition or anything like that. He's in that subclinical space. Right. Um, meanwhile, so we run the EAV, we do testing and we find bacterial pop- uh, populations. We find a bunch of yeast and fungus. Um, yeah. He works outdoors. So we found a bunch of mold. Uh, yeah. He travels for a decade. So, you know, anyone parasites. that's kind of traveled abroad, parasites and all sorts yeah. of things. And while he was traveling, He was a bartender. So, you know, in the night scene for 15 to 20 years. So what does that tell you about your liver? Right. So a lot of the the people who, you know, enjoyed their younger years, they're like, oh, I'm getting older. I'm like, you're not. Yes, you're getting older, but don't blame how you feel because you're aging. How you feel really has to do with your level of attention to taking care of the system. And unfortunately, we don't do a very good job as humans of taking care of body unless there's a pain signal or something kind of telling us to, hey, pay attention.
2: And when we talk to Dr. B... Our, our colleague, Jason, who talked mm-hmm. about even through men's health, yeah. you know, the guys have maybe a, bad, a bit of a worse rap for talking to anybody about what's going on with their bodies until they mm-hmm. kind of get a bit more of a a knock in the head or a heart attack or something like that, too. So
1: hopefully yeah. this
2: discussion is also going to open your eyes to to this situation. And as I actually spoke about off, off the top, one of my first clients that I was dealing with who had Giardia and
0: mm-hmm. like
2: constant Diarrhea. She could not eat anything. We figured out that, that once she laid off the dairy, then yeah. she could at least keep food in her and literally right. just eat diarrhea, eat diarrhea, yeah. eat diarrhea. And she was not getting anywhere. Her hair was starting to fall out. Like I said, she was about 19 or so crazy. She, skinny as a rake and no one could find the answers until we did the comprehensive digestive stool analysis giardia pops up and then we we dealt with that and then afterwards she actually said oh well this is different now my body's reacting different to now now that i'm eating food (laughs) as who in who? as in, she was kind of putting on a little bit more weight getting more weight. A he- yeah, healthier yeah, yeah. weight but she was so right. used to being so slim that that was like right. her point of reference And was like it's healthy it's good it's it's okay right you're actually absorbing nutrients from your food now instead of going like from top to bottom in in i don't know even, even half a day or, or more so it really really can just don't take that situation that you think, well, I've kind of always been that way. I can't tell yeah. you how many clients say to me, well, I've always been constant It's
0: normal. Yeah, no, it's not normal. Constipation is probably like the worst thing for the body long term, like the worst. And most of my clients that come in and have more chronic issues, things have been around for half a decade, a decade. They're like, oh, I've been constipated my whole life or I've had really loose bowels for years. Like the, the idea of the gut brain axis is really important. So for any listeners that are struggling with you know anxiety, depression, any sort of mental health stuff, and you have any of these digestive issues. issues going on. That is your first step. Your first step is be like, I got to take care of my digestion. Um, and I can attest to that, you know, four or five years ago, I was really not in a good place. I was very depressed and I had all this gut stuff going on. And so, you know, obviously I was offered antidepressants and I said, you know, I know my digestion is not great. I feel like I just got some stinking thinking and let me try to clean up the system. And, you know, if you're constipated in your bowels and you're a female, you know, that large intestine, I know, I know we're going to get into this in a second, but that large intestine is right behind your uterus. And so, anyone that's got hormonal stuff going on and is constipated, you know, focus less on the hormonal and focus more on making sure your bowels are clear. And right. if you have, you know, gunged up bowels, like that's stinking, thinking. thinking. You know, literally, like anytime someone's got stinking thinking, I'm like, the first thing I want to do is look at that, you know, a baby stinky baby diaper for a liver and look yep. at your colon and make sure that the methods of detoxification, the ways that your body naturally gets stuff out are actually open and doing their job.
2: Yep. Right, so let's now get on to actual poop poop stool, right. whatever it is that you want to call it because there are lots of names for this whole <laughs> okay, situation
1: I'd, I'd like to apologize because i'm a seven-year-old and a 45-year-old's body so if i <laughs> giggle a little too much my apologies <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay, well, we're talking, Chris, about everything that lands in the toilet. So Dropping how much, the like,
1: kids uh, off at the pool. That's
2: <laughs> <rough>. <laughs> uh, That was not on the list of 69. That's good, though. <laughs> I like that one. That's oh, my gosh. I still chuckle just thinking about that long list. It's absolutely hilarious. Maybe I'll just put, I I think I'm going to link that in the show notes on theannphillison.com. Just because I've talked about that already, how funny it was to just read through this list. Oh, my God. My belly hurt out afterwards, literally. Okay, so let's talk about color, what's normal, and then move on to what listeners need to know about when they take a peek back at their stool.
0: Yeah, so, you know, I, I always ask with clients, so I, I always ask my clients, I'm like, hey, you look at your poop at all. Uh, and I feel like it's a 50-50. You get some people that are like, oh, yeah, totally, I like, check it out. And there's other people that are like, I don't even look, just like wipe and close the toilet and that's it. Exactly.
1: And so, yep.
0: yeah, and so there's a conversation, obviously, about, hey, we need to look at our stool because knowing what's coming out of our bowels tells us a lot about what's going on within the digestive tract. Um, And when we're tying it back to how someone feels, that's obviously very important. Basically, you're, you're doing a stool analysis for free. Every time you poop, right? Which is what you want. So the color, you know, if anyone out there is um, confused or wants some help, the Bristol stool chart is your frame of reference, okay? Google Bristol, B-R-I-S-T-O-L stool chart, and it gives you seven different types. Now, what we want is about six inches, light brown, solid, okay? Not solid enough that like it's rock hard, but solid enough where it's not kind of falling apart. When you move it's in the direction
2: one long one piece. form yes. without baubles and rabbit like droppings, but yes. then also not to the point you just want it as you flush, is my understanding, to kind of start to break apart as opposed yeah. to just like, like shoot solid. Break, right down the down the toilet but also right. not landing in the toilet in a whole bunch of pieces with some floating lettuce from your last whatever yeah, that, you, would, that would be seen more as diarrhea
0: you never want to see food ideally I mean I think the only thing we we I'm okay with my clients seeing is corn because corn. that's just yep. corn, yeah, corn. Um, yep. but you but you know anything else like if my clients if I'm like hey like a client's like you know I see blueberries all the time I'm like that's a food intolerance you're literally passing it whole your body is yep. not touching it so don't eat it right like that's the easiest telltale if you see food consistently in your poop stop eating it could be a food intolerance the other part goes back to our digestion comment about do you have enough hydrochloric acid to actually break that food down right um so yeah you know you want about light brown six inches solid um if you got if it's really really streaky maybe you're too much on the soft serve side of yes. things, you know. Um, yep. and then obviously as it gets harder and harder, you'll get like these little like clumps, um, to the point of like kind of like a like rabbit poop or or you know, like yep. where it's like literally all these little balls everywhere. And that is extreme, you know, in, in my world, like dehydration. Like that person is just very dehydrated. Yep. Um this goes back to yeah, it just goes back to your water conversation, you know, about water quality and things like that. That's right, and, that we did you know, uh, Yeah. Yeah. The majority of people are just dehydrated um, and taking care of that is key. And, you know, working with so many people, like not everyone needs top quality water to be hydrated, but um, generally the people who are constipated need to step up in some sort of direction with their water quality, because right. uh, I've seen people like literally years of constipation get like an ionize, a water ionizer system. And all of a sudden within days, the constipation has gone. So Yeah, it really. Meanwhile, the other person's drinking tap water and they just fine. So So
1: what's in the tap water that's causing the issue?
0: It's not necessarily what's like it's not necessarily making tap water evil, but there are, you know, chemicals in tap water such as chlorine, um, fluoride. There's, you know, depending on where you are, you'll find some heavy metals and things Mm. like that. Um, They put a lot of chlorine in the tap water to kill microbes and bacteria that's why we're so lucky here in north america where we can drink water and not have to worry about it down in mexico you drink water and all of a sudden you're running to the bathroom because you don't have the microbes to fight those guys because we weren't we didn't grow bad, up with that right we're, not, we're guys, not conditioned yeah, yeah, yeah we're not we're conditioned not, we're not for that to yeah and so for a lot of people just taking out uh like using a a little filter to pull out some of that chlorine can actually make a huge improvement one on how the water tastes so therefore they'll want to drink some more and two it can help them with their hydration levels and overall digestion
2: and if you want to hear more about the great filtration systems um that we really did a bit of a deep dive into that's episode 61 uh wondrous water and jason was a part of that too and then we talked to scott from uh, who sells the Berkey.
0: Berkey, yeah.
2: Which um which I know actually I've had feedback that a lot of clients have taken the plunge and they've got got themselves the Berkey and they are loving it. Okay, so let's get back to the kind of to the poop. Now yeah. some people some people will poo first thing in the morning, some people uh-huh. will poo in the afternoon, some people will poo in the evening, and some people will do all three, which a lot of people might think, oh, that's not good. But it's actually mm. ideal if you have a bell movement after each meal. Each meal. Yep. But there's probably like at a very small percentage of people that that happens to, unless they've got more of the diarrhea that you were talking about. And then that's really not good either.
0: Yeah. I feel like the people, you know, I, most of my clients, I find that, you know, two bowel movements a day and they're in a pretty good place. Oh, I yeah. feel like the people, when they kind of go to the three range, it tends to be more of that diarrhea loose side. And they're right. like, you know, they're kind of like, they're like, Oh, I need to go to the bathroom versus like, I just need to go poop. Right. Um, but yeah, most people generally they wake up, they have a bowel movement and, and they feel pretty good. And they're kind of set for the day. The one thing that I would say that for the person out there, that's really struggling with their bowels. Right. Um, um, probiotics are you know are a great way to move in the right direction but you don't want to just it, the way that i explain to people is it's like you know we're just going to throw a bunch of sh- febreze in the air to cover up the stinky smell and hope that that's what but not take the garbage out you know the garbage is still there we're just going to spray some febreze and like cover it up meanwhile we want to make sure that we're not just throwing a probiotic on top of this mess to make it better. It's really yeah. figuring out, well, what's causing this problem to begin with. Um, that way we're not just trying to cover it up with probiotics.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Because that's, that's a really important thing. And I have a lot of clients who we start with a probiotic and yeah. then we end up seeing what's left over afterwards. And exactly. I think, I think that follow through and seeing what's left over after you start with that end of Very typically, people end up being pretty gassy as they start on a probiotic, a little bit like what you were saying about with Big Greens, where people are like, oh, I don't really like it. They sometimes (laughs) might be a little more gassy in the beginning, which is normal because you are actually elbowing out a lot of the bad bacteria. But you really need to get into taking an antifungal and antiparasitic and antibacterial, berberine, artemisia, cat's claw. There's a whole bunch of uh, olive leaf as well. That's a a good... um, Uh, yeah. Also, yeah, like lots yeah. and lots of different ways. Garlic is huge for getting rid yeah. of. Uh, grapefruit seed extract was something that a um, a colleague of mine from yeah, when parasites. was training. She mm-hmm. had blastocystis hominis for. Uh, I she didn't even know how long, and she had grapefruit seed extract in her water every single day, all throughout the day for six months before. She had a, a test result that showed that it was actually starting to clear. This is not something that's super quick, and no. if you take, go ahead and take a probiotic, please do. But just know that that's you know. There's step a little bit more. one. Yeah. There's, a, yeah. there's yeah. a there's a there's a one. lot more. Yeah. Right. Okay. So how about when you do go to the loo, which is my yeah. British side? I said that to someone the other day, and she said what does that mean i said <laughs> it's, going, it's going to the wc the water closet and she's like you're speaking another language right now so i mean that's like british closet. british wc you know and in lots of places you see just a wc and that's oh. apparent apparently the brits decided that that was water closet i don't know oh isn't that wonderful uh, so what happens when you're like what's going on when your poop floats You can't flush the bugger down the toilet. It just sits on top. Yeah, it's like it's not going anywhere. And then the next person that comes in the bathroom, like, well, hello there.
1: Um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) What's going on with that one?
0: You know what? Luckily, I've never had that problem. My poop has never really floated, so I can't say I've had that issue. But um, I do know clients that suffer with that. And a lot of it has to do with fat digestion. Okay. Okay. So um, I'm going to
2: inject my, my story here whenever yes, go. and not anymore, but there was a period of time that when I would eat avocado, it would mm-hmm. lead to my poop floating.
0: Right. Right. And so essentially you ate a bunch of fat and your body wasn't in a state that it could digest all that fat. A lot of it ends up in your stool. And here we go. We have a floating buoy that just won't go down the chute. Yep. (laughs) Right. So a lot of it, you know, fat digestion. Fat digestion particularly goes back to the liver and the gallbladder, so that's our area of focus. Okay, and going back to hypozymes, like Leanne mentioned, hypozymes is this you know absolutely beautiful blend of digestive enzymes um, and ox bile and pancreatin to make sure that we're digesting our fat properly. If you are someone. Who's got floating poops and you got some stuff going on? And just finding a good digestive enzyme that doesn't only have enzymes, but has hydrochloric acid and some sort of like pancreatin or ox bile is really gonna move you in the direction of at least digesting your food properly. Okay. The results of taking a digestive enzyme like that should be in the fact that your poops are not floating, right? They're, they look a lot better. Mm-hmm. Now, if you stop taking the digestive enzyme and it goes right back to where you were, then evidently that means that your system cannot do the job effectively without the digestive enzyme. And so the digestive enzyme is like the easy, quick fix that, you know, I use all the time. Like, I love digestive enzymes, especially if I'm eating out and things like that, because it just helps bring, yep. put everything down, right? Um, but more particularly, I would move in the direction of trying to clean up my client's liver, um, you know, maybe sugar and alcohol habits, you know, inflammatory food habits, and make some of these changes to support the liver and gallbladder so that the digestion can improve, can improve. Um, for those of you out there that have may have had your gallbladder removed because you know you had stones and the doctor said that that's what you had to do I will be the first to say that I've worked with many clients who were supposed to have their gallbladders out because of attacks and we ran through some protocols within you know 30 days 60 days and they feel way better and they don't need to get their gallbladder cut out but if you have hypozymes is like, you know, or something similar to that is a must, an absolute must with every single meal, because you no longer have the capacity to store bile in your gallbladder because it's gone. So your liver is making bile, but your gallbladder is where it would be stored. And as you eat, it goes from that storage site down into the small intestine. So if you no longer have the storage site, then you're relying on your liver to pump up enough bile help you digest your meal. But if you're those people or one of those people who, you know, don't eat all day and then kind of have a two hour marathon at night, you know, you might have some bile for like half of that meal. But then the rest right. of it, the food just starts to sit there, right? So that, you know, or you know, thinking about like Christmas dinners or turkey dinners, you know, hapaszyme comes in handy when you have want to have some multiple rounds of eating.
2: And I had a beautiful filet mignon for dinner last night, and the first yeah. thing I did was get out that the enzymes <laughs> because yeah. oh. it was I don't normally eat that, but I found grass-fed and finished. Yeah. Filet filet mignon. And like we talked about uh, with Greg in one of our episodes on meat. So I was you know, thrilled to be eating this. It was absolutely incredible. And the hypozymes definitely went in. And I almost needed like another round of two uh, afterwards nice. because I was still, I was definitely still feeling it. But, <laughs> but I'm, but I'm quite attuned, I'm attuned to that. So that's a little bit different to probably what everybody else would necessarily feel too.
1: Okay. So, so I have a, I have a friend uh, uh, we'll, we'll, who we'll call Bartholomew. Um, and, <laughs> and he has a, he, he tends to eat a lot. Uh, a lot of high fatty products. How much of the hypozymes should he be taking? Not, not I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about Bartholomew. Yeah, how much He's should gone. he be digesting if he eats fairly large meals, three meals a day?
0: You know, it's kind of relative to the person. But honestly, hypozymes, I'd say one to two and you're good to go. Like my biggest meals, I have two and I'm in a pretty good position. If you find that, you know, this individual or your friend uh, has decent... Bartholomew has decent digestion, then, you know, one will typically be enough, right? You just want to make sure and it's a more experiential thing, right? So if you eat a meal and you're a little bit bloated and gassy and you have that same meal and you just have like one hypozymes and you feel you're like, oh, wow, I'm not bloated. I'm not gassy. Food's going down nice. Well, you're good there, right? Um, if Bartholomew's eating a substantial amount of food and is relatively a large person, then they might need too, right? Are you
1: calling me large? I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, whoa, whoa. We're whoa, whoa. About no, no, Bartholomew. No, no, Bartholomew. 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 Right, right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I was actually going to add to that because perhaps Bartholomew is a little bit of an ice cream addict too. So let's say that the you know, Bartholomew likes to go to the freezer yeah, at nighttime see. and pull out a little bit of ice cream. Just probably one might do with a small bowl of ice cream. Two hypozymates right. for a hat for the whole pint of I ice was, cream. I was going to uh, ask. Does, was, that, does that help? I was going
1: to ask Jay. because Jay Jay referred to when he was talking about the Bristol stool chart? He was referring yeah. to uh, poop as soft. Serve. I was going to ask him yeah. to maybe use a different word. Because right. something other I didn't than know something. you were an ice cream fan. <laughs> I do now.
2: Oh, yes. We've talked about ice cream quite a bit. And in one of the episodes, Chris got handed an ice cream. What <laughs> on earth Were we talking about your son brought you down a soft serve? And out of the corner of my eye as I'm just going through the information I'm sharing, there's Chris with a stripy chocolate oh, nice. and vanilla soft serve. And he's like, don't mind me. And I could not (laughs) stop laughing. So as I usually do, I recommend (laughs) speaking. I'm eating an (laughs) ice (laughs) cream.
1: I bet you that looked a little weird out of the corner of your eye. I'm just just dealing with my uh, stress over here. That's all. You keep going. I'm fine. I'll be stressed when the ice cream is done. (laughs) Just look over it and you have the biggest, (laughs) biggest soft serve ice cream that
2: just about fits on the Zoom screen from top to bottom. (laughs) And I can't breathe.
1: (laughs) I didn't, I didn't ask for it. It just kind of showed up.
2: (laughs) We had to pause for a little bit until I could compose myself and start speaking again.
1: It was oh, hilarious.
2: So, yeah, in that case, that size, because it took up the whole of the Zoom screen, two <laughs> hypozymes, Chris.
1: Okay. That's right. what
2: I would suggest. I'll
1: let my friend know.
2: <laughs> Please do. Please do. Oh my god. Now,
0: one other one other thing I will add in um for those people out there that don't maybe want to go with the hypozymase digestive acid uh, digestive enzyme route, um apple cider vinegar, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit in the morning in some water just helps to set the acidity tone of the stomach to help with digestion. Um, having it, you know, maybe five or 10 minutes before you eat would be, it would be a great thing to help set the acidity. I also really like apple cider vinegar because the malic acid in it helps to drain the gall So for people with that toxic bile syndrome, it works really, really well. Um, a lot of my eczema and psoriasis clients, if we just add in apple cider vinegar without getting too, too fancy, um, a lot of things clear on their skin because your wow. skin is mainly lymphatic. And the lymphatic system drains through yep. the liver and the gallbladder. So that's yep. why it's so important.
1: Is it? Is there any way to make it taste better? Because that stuff is just awful. It you know
0: is. what? It is. You know what? I it's know. awful. I, I've never been the type of person that can just enjoy it. And I really don't enjoy it. But I drink it sometimes right. when I need it. I, 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 I do too every morning. Of yeah. <laughs> I, can, I mean, I can, I, can can, do I can do
2: it. I do a little. I do a shot of it. And um, I remember years ago, I thought, oh, yeah, well, why don't I just add this, add the apple cider vinegar to my, you know, kind of lemon water in the morning and, Uh you know, it was a little bit warm and like one whiff. And I didn't have any Oof. nasal <laughs> nasal hairs yet, let alone trying to get it down the hatch. So yeah. I was like, uh, not the best idea that I've had. So, okay, I'll choke this one down and do something different tomorrow. So
0: Every couple of months, I do a liver gallbladder flush. And yes. you have to drink four ounces per day <laughs> leading up to this flush. Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you, four ounces <laughs> You're outside. You're not selling it, trade. my friend. That is a competition. Nice. let's put let's put some bets on the table so you can put that down and keep it down yeah oh, <laughs> oh there you nightmare.
1: go on the ne- next time you're on the podcast jay we'll will line up shots of apple cider vinegar and see oh who can- man. <laughs> that's it oh my god it's that'd a be party now it is
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, So we've talked about food intolerances and foods to kind of take out of your diet. Let's just quickly touch on the foods to make sure you have going into your diet. And, you know, obviously fiber is massive, but typically when most people say oh i'm constipated i'm you know i need to eat more fiber you you know you do visit your doctor they're like eat more fiber which typically means like all brand for breakfast and whole wheat bread Mm -hmm. instead of your typical white bread and then whole wheat pasta but that's all from the same grain which really just does not work
0: for
2: people so
0: what are we adding in so what are we adding in so you know I always tell people eating seasonally is the best thing you can do. Why seasonally? Because that is encouraging the food rotation throughout the seasons. Unfortunately, with grocery stores, we buy the same like humans buy the same ten foods, you know, all the time, all Pretty year much. round. And yep. we're like, I don't know why this is happening. Well, you're you're eating the same thing all the time. That's why this happening. So you know, food rotation is important. Buying locally is important. Um, you know, I believe in the fiber concept, but I believe, but as you mentioned, the fiber concept usually goes that like gluten grain conversation direction when really we're looking more for, you know, roughage, right? We want the roughage. So, you know, juicing, is powerful, but you take out all the roughage and that insoluble fiber is what feeds a lot of the bacterial colonies in your gut. Just like, you know, farmers have problems with bugs because they're eating all the produce, right? Your, the bugs in your stomach also eat that produce to create more healthy bugs for your digestive system. So one of the easiest ways to get a natural probiotic in the body is fermented foods, right? kimchi and sauerkraut now from experience because way back in the day when i was trying to fix my gut, i'm like oh fermented foods guys do not overdo it you will be on the toilet telling
2: (laughs) me yeah when i first started you will be a gas bag literally
0: oh my goodness i when i first started i could not have more than like two tablespoons without being like wow my stomach is not comfortable right now so start small and stay within what you feel comfortable with and work your way up. I could probably have, you know, like a palm-sized amount of fermented foods and, and I'm okay. Um, You know, honestly, for healing the gut, bone broth. One of my favorite ghost go-tos, especially in the winter months uh, when people are kind of overdoing it on the coffee or caffeinated teas and stuff like that. The bone broth, which is going to load you up with fat, it's going to grease the tubes. You know, most of my clients who are constipated, tell them to add MCT oil to their, to their, um, you know, morning routine, uh, for at least two weeks. And trust me, that will get the tubes moving. Right.
2: Um, and I just wanted to circle back to something else. Cause as you were talking about that and you said your stomach doesn't feel too good. Can, so yeah. we talked, you talked a little bit about what happens with where you feel in the small intestine around yes. the belly button, so belly button stomach, right. stomach is above. So that's mm-hmm. more where you're going to get like that GERD, that acidity, yeah. you know, where you don't have enough of the, uh, of the zinc that you talked about for the digestive enzymes, then around the belly button is your small intestine where the digestion starts. So let's move down to like that, lower like oh my god I just I just need to pass this gas because it's just so uncomfortable and can be really really challenging for so many people so that's more large intestine so what's going on there
0: yeah so large intestine is interesting because it actually wraps around the small intestine so yeah. starts down in that lower uh, right hip area and that is what we call the ascending colon and it kind of goes up along the bottom of your rib cage transverse and then descending is down the right side of the body going all the way down obviously to the anus and you know when we feel that discomfort in the colon it tends to be this lower deep um like you know basically underwear line type of like gut well for me it was a gut rot feeling that's what i would feel um if you have to you know uh, pass some gas and you're holding it in, it tends to be kind of lower in the abdomen. And yep. really, you just want to squeak it out. But, you know, it might be a little loud. So you don't do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, or and or loaded. Or, right. And so for a lot of people, I find that, you know, the, the fermentation process is what causes them the most discomfort down there. Right. Um, we have to remember that the large intestine's job is to reabsorb water. So for the people who are chronically constipated, evidently the colon is sucking up all that water and it's that, and they're dehydrated. There's nothing left and so much so that the stool gets really, really hard. Um, and those are the people where they're like impacted. You lead to things like ulcerative colitis or colitis of the bowel and things like that. And then there's the complete other side, which is the people with the runny bowels. And that's the digestive system saying this needs to get out now right? Yeah. And the issues with like yeast, for example, or parasites, because they tend to live in the digestive tract, is that when you feed these things, they create what's called endotoxins, because you're not ingesting toxins, but you're ingesting something that feeds this bug that basically poops in the system and creates these endotoxins. So right. it's, what call, it's, it's what's called an auto intoxication process. So basically, right. you're eating, you know, I, I'm eating some whole wheat bread bananas, um, and some whole grain pasta and you think, Oh, I'm doing good. But all, although they are whole grain and maybe better for you than like white, they are still carbohydrates, which are going to feed our yeast problems, which can still make you uncomfortable. So I remember as I was going through this journey, I was eating like poke bowls and, you know, sushi thinking it was better for me because it wasn't as processed. Right. My God, did my gut tell me a whole nother scenario. I was like, okay, <laughs> right. that is, that is not the solution, you know? Um, and so I I really started to learn, I was like, okay, I'm just eating white rice and I have brain fog, I feel bloated, um, and I'm running to the bathroom. So it's not so much of, you know, the rice, but it has to be the rice as like a carbohydrate and breaking down into glucose and feeding something in my gut. And that's when I started stumbling upon, you know, uh, the, basically the antifungal diet, which is something I use a lot, but the idea of keto and carnivore people are cutting out all of these grains, although a bit extreme, but cutting out all these grains, and we see such amazing transformations so fast, because they're just feeding the microbiology, which is in your gut, what they need to thrive. And because they're thriving, you thrive. The problem with our modern diet is it's so reversed from what we actually need that basically, you know, I would say 80% of people have something going on that they deem normal that is not normal
2: yeah and there's you know with people's different success with keto and those kind Mm -hmm. of diets they're Maybe not. They're saying, Oh, yeah, I feel great. I'm not foggy. They don't always say, Oh, my God, my gut is like so much better. Some people would, but some people would keep that to themselves. So it definitely can be a benefit. But when you break it down and think, Okay, well, I'm not eating the grains anymore. I'm not eating the bread anymore. And I'm not eating the carbs, then that makes a lot of sense. So if you can add those things up and really start to look at the different situations and also, uh, you know, a never well since situation, again, with different clients that I've um, that I've worked with, especially when I was still in England, you know, you'd go off to India or Portugal or Spain or somewhere like that and then eat something funny. I remember traveling to Bali and I had I think it was actually from yogurt and I ended up with E. coli. Yeah, spent 14 hours on, a, on the way back to, for, to Amsterdam, literally on the floor of the toilet on the plane the whole yep. way back. And it took well over a month for me to even keep anything in my system and then had to aggressively get in there and get rid of it. So it's not always that extreme, but I I do also recall another client more recently, probably over the past 10 years, who saw doctor after doctor after doctor. And it was her gut was so inflammatory and so Mm -hmm. difficult to deal with where she just could not get from A to B. She had to plan her whole life around. Around the toilet where was there a toilet. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is someone who traveled all over the world. And, you know, I've had all sorts of clients with gut stuff. I think that's just who, I, you know, who I tracked because it's such a fascination for me. But, you know, I can think of a few different clients who who definitely do that where they're out and they're planning on how far can I go before I'm going to need to have a toilet stop and maybe i won't heat this or i won't have apple cider vinegar first thing in the morning because i've got to go out for a walk or i want to go out for a walk and i can't do it so there's a lot of adjustments. and it's so it's so
0: fear-based it's so fear-based it's nuts because imagine you're you're scared you're gonna poop your pants like people have like real life ptsd from these type of things Um, and like when you get that level of of fear in just operating your day how can you thrive like you, you you absolutely can't. For the people Mm. out there that might be suffering with IBD, um, irritable bowel disorder, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, um, you know, a lot of you have probably gone to seek medical help. And you know, they do a colonoscopy. And they say, Oh, everything's fine. We don't see anything. Um, There's nothing on your test. Most of those people, yeah. yeah, yeah, they don't see those things. Most of those people who end up in my office have had food poisoning, at one time or another, maybe not, not even nearly as extreme as you, uh, but we can find yeah. salmonella, we can find E. coli, you know, other sort of mycoplasmas.
2: Compilobacter. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, H. pylori, you can find these things, not in like clinical amounts, meaning the medical system is like, oh my God, you need antibiotics. But usually in that subclinical setting where it's enough to throw off your gut microbiology and create a dysbiosis where you're you, you don't right. feel comfortable, but it's not enough to make you like sick, sick. Uh, and this is where the medical system's like, we don't have anything for you because you're not sick enough. And like, who wants right. to get sick enough that the medical system has something for you? You know, that's not right. really what we're going for. And this is why we use EAV, because like within a couple of minutes, we're like, yep, this is what's going on. Whether it's berberine, olive leaf, we use whatever we need to do, help get yep. these bacterial pop, uh, populations under control, drain the gallbladder and liver if that's what we need to do, or improve your digestion. Or maybe it's just getting you to sleep better um, and manage your stress because your own head is messing with your digestive capacity. you know. Yep. And that's kind of how we go about it. Sounds
2: simple, doesn't it? really like like, no I mean it is it is it is it is the health puzzle and honestly listeners when you've got someone like Jason in your corner when you reach out to someone nutritionist like me or you know or anyone else any of the other experts that we've had on here then just know that you're going to come at this from a completely different angle and yeah. all all the tests that you have done at your doctor, of course, as Jason said, you need to speak with your doctor first. Mm-hmm. Yep. But when you find yourself in the situation where there's so many of you know, us, Jason, and all of our colleagues, we end up with the people who say, I've tried everything.
1: And there's yeah, su- totally. it's such
2: a crappy place to be. So thank you so much today for sharing so much wisdom. This is definitely going to be an episode that people are going to hit. Well, is that what he say? And just go back, you know, the 15 seconds on the podcast, uh, yeah. or just go back to the beginning <laughs> and listen to it all again, because there's so much information. But please remember, you can head over to leannephillipson.com for some of the show notes over there. And, and of course, Jason's information. So thank you again, so much for sharing your wisdom, Jason. It's always
0: a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Can't wait till the next one.
2: Now, for anyone who wants more information uh, after Jason has just shared all of that, head over to quantumhealth.ca or just go right over to leannephillipson.com and I'm going to put all of his details in there as well. So what do you think about all that like what are you going to do now that you know but you might just need to have a little glance back at the toilet to see what's going on. You don't necessarily have to be an inspector about it. And no, he brought up the situation of corn being in your stool. Well, I actually use that as a, as a transit time timer. So if you go and have a cob of corn or, or just go and eat some corn and then you look out for it, you can see if your transit time from mouth to toilet is 24 hours, 48 hours, more 36 or 72 hours, so that you can see just how long. Just so that you know, 12 to 24 hours is ideal. Now, when you're super gassy, when you've got all these things going on, like, I don't know, can you notice about what time of day this is? Can you start to write everything down about the food that you ate and when you became gassy? Because if you are someone that is living in fear, that's the first step. Whether you see someone like Jason, whether you see someone like myself, to get to drill down on what's going on, that truthfully is going to be the first place to start. Dealing with all of this can take so much more digging than just tests that are not typically done in the doctor's office. For the years and years when I first started after my nutrition training, I tested client stool, not personally, just the lab did it. They got the collection stuff that was called the CDSA or Comprehensive Digestive Stool Analysis. You know, these tests tend to be $500 or more. But what I loved about this is it actually showed my clients, I didn't have an EAV or anything used back then, It showed the clients how their digestive system was functioning. If you need those digestive enzymes, or if what the bacteria or the parasite or whatever is going on in there, but then also what it is that you need to take. Sometimes there was podarco, which is a herb, then there was garlic, or then there was a grapefruit seed extract. There are some bugs that really get annihilated faster with certain uh, antimicrobials, antifungals or antiparasitics. I mean, if you've got a parasite or or a bug and you've gone to your doctor and they've said, Yep, you had a parasite from traveling or even just from something else, maybe it's even from your dog. Dog picks up dogs pick up parasites all the time. So if you do have a dog at home and they've got runny stools, then know that they could have a parasite that then also gets the family, and then that's a problem. <laughs> we just gotta get down to the root of the issue. Jason and his EAV can help. Probiotics like BioBoost that you'll find on SproutRight.com can help. Antifungals, antibacterials, antiparasitics. Well, they can all help. You gotta have some help to make sure you're taking the right one. And you gotta know where you're starting, what your symptoms are, that you know that you're improving and also getting rid of these buggers that are not supposed to be in your gut question more, write your symptoms down. That's just a start. And then head over to SproutWrite.com and com for a lot more information about this. The show notes are going to be over on com. Share this episode, anyone. I mean, not everybody's going to talk about their digestive system and you know what goes on in the toilet if they're closed door, not like your family, Chris. The discussion needs to happen and make it far, You know, let this go far and wide. Rate this podcast, wherever it is that you happen to be, listening to it so that everyone also sees those stars that you're offering to this and they know that it's worth a listen. Thank you so much for being along with us today. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Jason, as always. And please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time.